of the Cover Zero podcast, the show where I cover the least in the best way possible. I'm your host, Jason Wells, and week seven is in the books, and if everyone wasn't hurt already, they're hurt now. This week was absolutely brutal for injuries. I got a list right here. Brees Hall, ACL, DK Metcalf, knee injury, JC Jackson, knee injury, Mike Williams, ankle, Ryan Tannehill, ankle, Amon Ross St. Brown, head, Evan Neal, knee, AJ Terrell, hamstring, David Njoku, ankle, Alan Lazard, shoulder, Elijah Vera Tucker, elbow, Trey Hendrickson, neck, and Brandon Jones, knee. That's a long list of people. Those are also just the notable names. A lot more people obviously got injured this week, but those are just the notable names. That team on paper would beat basic almost anyone in the league. Especially since the league sucks right now, but let's see. Today's show, we have Moob coming back for his second appearance. We're going to recap the week and do Pick'em. If you're keeping track, last week I went 5-0 and for the second time this year. It was a big boost to my bankroll. Uh, super happy to happen. Always, I mean, God, it's always nice to win money, but... Without further ado, let's get into the recap with Moob. I'd now like to welcome on for the second time now. Uh, when we last spoke to him, his Panthers were at the bottom, and now they're currently one seed out of the or one game out of the NFC South division race somehow. But Moob, welcome back. Uh, how are we feeling after that week? Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back and. This time, feeling a lot better than, than the last time I was on. Although, my as soon as we traded McCaffrey, it was full-on tank. Don't win a single game the rest of the year. We ended up winning the very next game against a team that I thought going into the season would have been a contending Super Bowl team. But, I mean, anytime you get to beat on Tom Brady and you hold him to three points is a good week. So, I'll take that. It's yeah, beating Brady is always fun. We'll get into that game when we get to it. But as always, let's start with the game we watched last night, Monday Night Football. Am I reading this wrong? Bears 33, Pats 14. Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. Uh, this is very strange because if there's two things that Bill Belichick beats up on as a coach. It's inexperienced QBs and inexperienced head coaches. And he went up against two of them and he got his doors absolutely blown off. That was at home. Nonetheless, that was, that was, that was incredible. It was, it was something to watch. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, Honestly, the only note I have for the bears, the bears are really good at running the football, like fields, finally running the ball. Well, Montgomery, Herbert, They're doing well. They had 243 yards total on the ground. It was an absolute shit-kicking. Pats. I got told last week that the Pats had the best defense in the league. I don't know where that was tonight, but... (laughs) Yeah. No, that's crazy. You you go up against, uh, especially going into this week, you would have expected 
the Bears to be a, one of the worst offensive teams in the league. I know scoring is down league-wide, but when you have Justin uh, Fields throw for like 150 yards every week, you'd expect any offense that produces like that to be not very good. But they put what, I think it was like 33 or 36 points on the road against a team that was supposed to be at worst, maybe a top 10 defense in the league. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Yeah, the Pats absolutely got their shit kicked in. Um, I guess the only other note for the Pats is Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. That's going to be the uh, question right now. I think it's brutal, though, that Pats fans, what, five minutes into the game after two stalled drives by Mac Jones, immediately start booing their first-round pick from a year ago. Now, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be the guy for New England, but just that immediate turn on a guy that you drafted last year, nuts. Yeah, no, it's it's really weird because if you were to, they want, because, you know, obviously the, the Patriots, they've had that Tom Brady, you've heard that, you know, third round, third day pick turned into like the superstar quarterback. And then you got Jimmy Garoppolo that they get in the second round that becomes a long-term starter in the NFL. And they thought they got another one with uh, Bailey Zappi. But unfortunately, they drafted a first-round pick last year. So they're kind of rooting for Zappi to be that next Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo or anything in between, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be weird because they, it made things a lot awkward in New England for the next, at least this season, for the rest of the season. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I have, I have no idea who's going to be starting for them next week. That's definitely going to be a, a conversation they're going to have to have in-house. But... We'll move on from that game, go all the way back to Thursday night football. Saints 34, Cardinals 42. We finally got a high scoring Thursday night football game. Uh, the Cardinals actually scored more points than the last two Thursday night football games combined. So that was Denver versus the Colts and then Bears versus Commanders. So Cardinals outscored all four of those teams on Thursday night. Uh other than that, Cardinals Hopkins with his big return, he had 10 catches for 103 yards, but I'm still unimpressed by what I saw from the Cardinals, if we're being honest. Yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, the final score will say that it was a, uh, you know, back and forth high scoring game, but it really wasn't. It was kind of just a shit kicking with a couple of garbage uh, garbage time touchdowns towards the end of the game. And mm -hmm. and the scoring didn't really come from the offense. It was a lot of pick sixes going on and, and turnovers and things of that nature. So, I mean, you got to give credit, I guess, where credit is due to the uh, Cardinals for forcing turnovers and getting in the back of the end zone. But that offense is still, you know, leaves much to be desired. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of them. The, the NFL is really weird this year. I believe they're a game out of the top seed in, in that uh, division. And they, they could are. very, very well, you know, end up at top of that division by the end of the year. I just don't have much faith in them. I don't have much faith in Cliff. Nope. He is most likely gone at the end of the season unless he, you know, cobbles up some, some wins and takes them deep into the postseason. But yeah, there's not much confidence for me going forward. That's the thing. Like I've been, I think I've been number one on the Cliff Kingsbury hater bandwagon, but they gave him a five-year extension in the off season. So I don't think they can fire him this year. I think next year would probably be the earliest they'd have to do it, but it's clear. Kyler does not like him. He thinks he's an idiot. Uh, the saints though, 
Andy Dalton did his best Matt Schaub impersonation. Uh, two pick sixes, three interceptions total. That was not not a good game from Dalton. Technically, he did throw six touch, touchdown passes, if you do include the two pick sixes. So, not a yeah. bad game from him. Yeah. But uh, other than that, Saints, Olave looks really good. He had seven catches for 106 yards. And second-year linebacker, Pete Werner, he's been looking really good right now. Uh, him and Demario Davis are probably one of the best linebacker tandems in the league, I would think. And one other thing, just to rub the salt in the root. Uh, holy shit. One thing is to rub the salt in the wound for uh, Saints fans. Uh, they don't have their first round pick. They traded that to the Eagles and that pick's currently sitting top five. So the Eagles just stay winning even on their bye weeks. Yeah, the Saints, the Saints are kind of in a disaster situation. They traded away their first round pick this year for, um, was it Chris Olave or was it the other, the lineman that they drafted? One, one or the other, but. It was Olave uh, or Penning, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then. Penning's out for the season, so I'm sure they're going to come out and say, hey, that's our real first-round pick for next season, which, I mean, it's not really. Um, and then you got a rookie, not a rookie head coach, but first-year head coach with them, uh, and he's not doing as good of a job as much people thought because he was a very good defensive coordinator. He was a terrible coach when he was coaching the Raiders, mm -hmm. but he spent some time under, under Sean Payton, and he was doing a really good job with that Saints defense. That was horrible before he got there. So a lot of people were willing to give him that second chance and thought that he would turn it around, but no, nah, he's doing, he's doing a horrible job. I mean, that defense is again, very solid uh, offense. I think it's more the the departure of uh, Sean Payne than anything. Cause that, that offense is terrible this season, even with James Winston. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the thing. The saints are super hurt right now, but so is everyone, honestly. So they just need to be better. It's, yeah, next season without their picks, they're always in cap hell. Should be rough. Uh, next game up, though, Colts 10, Titans 19. Like, the AFC South, this is – these are the two best teams in the AS, AFC South, and I can't believe it. Yeah, the uh, Colts, going into the season, a lot of people thought that they had Carson Wentz and they were one game away from making the playoffs. And some people thought they upgraded that QB. Other people didn't think that way. I was kind of, you know, on the fence because although I'm not the biggest Carson Wentz fan, I also watching the Falcons over the last couple of years, I've noticed that Matt Ryan's not, not only lost one step, but several steps. So at worst, you would think of them as a, you know, run the ball, play a very good defense. They lost Matt Eberflus, you know, so their defense is taking a hit as well. And then you, the offense is just, you know, turnovers, can't get separation on the outside. Jonathan Taylor it being injured, and even when he was there, wasn't that efficient. The, the, this Colts team is just a, a disaster, really. I don't, I don't know where they go from here. Uh, and, you know, um, Frank Reich is most likely going to be fired. Uh, mm -hmm. I know this is kind of like that that trump card by by uh, benching Matt Ryan to get to um, Sam Ellinger, but yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of this division. I don't think any of the teams deserve to make it to the playoffs, but of course, you know, there's always got to be one team, unfortunately, and looking like the Titans so far. Yeah, I mean, fuck, you hit all my notes for the Colts 
someone's losing their job, whether that be Frank Reich or Chris Ballard. It might be both. Uh, they lost this game and they didn't even give up an offensive touchdown. So the yeah, Colts D is still solid, but that offense has to score points. And maybe you said it, Matt Ryan is done. Uh, Sam Ellinger going to come in and see what he can do. Maybe it gives him a spark. I have no idea. At least he's not going to be a statue in the pocket. He'll be able to move around a little bit, but the Tennessee Titans, I, I give them a lot of credit because they're not a good team. They're four and two, but it's, it's all Derrick Henry. That's, that's all you can say. He's the only reason that offense moves the ball whatsoever. And even when they don't score points, they still win games because Mike Vrabel is a good coach and that defense is still solid. Yeah, the uh, the Titans are really just Derrick Henry and a solid defense. That's, that's all it is to it. Uh, you know, that little uh, Ryan Tannehill magic a couple of years ago in the playoffs and at the end of the season, that was a cool story. But yeah, there's, you know, not much going on offensively over there. No. Um, only other note I have for the Titans, uh, they finally scored in the fourth quarter that this season for the first time. Still not a touchdown. They only got six points, but uh, good for them, I guess. And Tannehill does have an ankle injury, so we might get to see Malik Willis. That would be fun, at least, but who knows. Uh, moving on, next game. Giants 23, Jacksonville 17. This game went down to the wire. It ended up with a stop on the one-yard line, and the Giants end up winning the game because of that. Uh, here, I'll ask this question to start. If you're uh, – oh, what's his name? It's like Jim Shane or something who's the Giants GM, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Shoon or something like that. Yeah. So if you're him, do you give Daniel Jones an extension? Uh, uh, you know what? No, you can't fall into this trap, the same trap that the Jaguars fell into two years ago with Blake Bortles, where the def they won literally because of, you know, they went to the AFC Championship game because of Leonard Fournette and because of how suffocating that defense was. And you know what they did? They were like, hey, you know what? We're going to extend uh, Blake Bortles. And then I don't even think he played more than like five more games under, with them after that extension. So no, um, we had, they, they have to be realistic. There's going to be plenty of options in the uh, veteran quarterback market that you can maybe like a stop gap while you address the rest of your team with draft picks and things of that nature. So if you can solidify the offensive line, the defense and the receiving corp, hopefully, um, you'll be able to grab someone on the veteran QB market, whether that be a uh, Jimmy Garoppolo when he's gone, or maybe pull off a trade for Mac Jones or Trey Lance, something along those lines. But I'm not, I'm not buying into the, uh, the uh, Daniel Jones hype at all. That's bold of you to throw Trey Lance's name in there, but I like it. Uh, yeah, with, with the giants though, Daniel Jones, he did have a hundred yards rushing on the day. So did Saquon. It's, it's impressive because they also lost Evan Neal, Ben Bredson, and uh, the rookie tight end, Bellinger. So the Giants just keep winning. It's impressive. I've been saying it. Brian Dable, coach of the year, locked up. Uh, we'll go on to the Jags, though. I mean, they traded James Robinson. So Travis Etienne is the guy now for them. He had 14 carries for 114 yards. He's been impressive, but 
the Jags, at least they're close to being okay. They're, they're not what they've been. They're a somewhat competitive, frisky team, but they're just not there yet. They're building. But it's nice to see them actually have talented players now. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of the Jaguars. They're, they're taking the right step forward as a team uh, this year, being more competitive. The, the only thing that I don't understand is from a week-to-week basis, I'm not quite sure to make, what to make of uh, Trevor Lawrence because some weeks he looks like he's a star, star in the making, and then some weeks he just looks awful. So it's still he still kind of very much feels like a rookie quarterback where one week he looks great, one week he looks awful. But um, I still think they have something there, and uh, hopefully they can build a team around them and, you know, go at it uh, next year. I think they'll be a frisky team, though, the rest of this year, though. I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, I mean, honestly, they could be one one Derrick, Hen- Derrick Henry injury for the Titans. The Jags could be winning that division. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, next game up, though. Tampa Bay three, Carolina 21. Move, take it away. Yeah, so um, I had my uh, tanking shoes on on Sunday. It was uh, as soon as 1 p.m. hit. I, honestly, I probably shouldn't have been watching the game at all. I just accepted the, uh, the, uh, the, the beating that, that was coming because they showed on the broadcast. Since Tom Brady's got there, the, um, the Bucks are 4-0 against the Panthers averaging 37 points per game and I believe holding the Panthers to just under 20 points I believe so it's like average margin of defeat of like 20 20 points almost and I was I was just waiting for that and then you get the big play to Mike Evans in the first quarter the ball's in the air and then I'm rooting for him like let's go let's go catch that thing and then he bobbled it like seven different times hit the turf and then I was like like they can't even this is the only time I'm ever asking in my life a team to beat my team. And, and this is how they're based. And that was from that point on, I was like, okay, that's fine. That was literally the first possession of the game. They'll have plenty of other opportunities. Little did I know that they were going to get absolutely steamrolled. Tom Brady wasn't going to get anything going. Uh, PJ Walker was going to be by far the best quarterback in that game making dimes throws to the throws to the back of the end zone to DJ Moore or to Tommy Tremble. I didn't know that Dante Foreman was going to play exactly like Christian McCann. Like that was, that was insane. Um, you know, the, the Panthers have the tons of young talent, but even then uh, you wouldn't expect them to be anywhere close to competing. The, the Bucks just look absolutely broken and Tom Brady's body language is terrible. It, it got to a point where yesterday, he wasn't even yelling at his team. He was kind of he was kind of just sitting down on the bench and just almost accepting defeat in like the first quarter. It was, it was strange. See, I just love that Tom Brady threw away his marriage to just to lose to the Panthers. Like embarrassingly lose to the Panthers. Like this yeah. has to be the worst game that Tom Brady has ever been a part of. Not saying Tom Brady, this is the worst game he's ever played, but just being a part of a team that ha- by a mile the worst team he's been a part of uh yeah and the fucking bucks i don't they they don't have a run this year of 20 plus yards it's embarrassing that offense has looked brutal uh i will like to give a special shout out to mike evans for dropping that touchdown uh just because you would have beaten me in fantasy this week if he did make that catch so <laughs> 
Yeah, he really he did me dirty. Yeah. Uh, and one other question for the Panthers. Um, is CMC, is he a system running back after what Foreman and Chuba Hubbard did this week? Wow, it's looking like it. I mean, maybe he <laughs> was he was the the guy after all that was sabotaging this team. We get rid of him. And he loses, you know, uh, on uh, in San Francisco, and and we win in Carolina. So maybe it was him after all. But uh, hey, thank you, CMC. I like the haul that we got, and I pre- I appreciate him uh, playing for Carolina all these years. There you go. Uh yeah. Just one other note for the Bucks, Bucks, because I can't. Their first ten possessions. Drive one, punt. Drive two, punt. Drive three, punt. Drive four, punt. Drive five, half. Uh, Drive six, punt. Drive seven, turnover on downs. Drive eight, punt. Drive nine, field goal. Drive 10, turnover on downs. Brutal all around. We'll move on because we don't need to talk about a very bad Bucks team at this point. (laughs) And moving on to another team that has just been disappointing the entire year. Packers 21, Commanders 23. Heineke gave them the spark. And that's, it's, yeah. Taylor Heineke came in. He didn't look great. He threw some prayers to Terry McLaurin and Terry went up, grabbed all of them. I mean, Terry is the whole reason why the Commanders actually won that game. Uh, Other than that, yeah, it's, the Commanders are, I don't know. They're not, everyone's bad. Everyone's bad this year. It's hard to actually say good for the commanders for getting this win. Do you have anything to add on Washington? No, really. Taylor Heineke is like, it's weird because he's like a gunslinger, but he's not the Carson Wentz gunslinger where he's going to try to make every single ridiculous throw. He's kind of like a little bit more controlled. And maybe that's exactly what they need. They don't need someone to put the ball in jeopardy every single play, but also still need someone to try to make some some pretty difficult tight window type of throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, this uh, not much to say about the Commanders. I don't believe that they're uh, anywhere close to being a playoff team. Uh, we've talked about coaches and, and GMs being fired. I believe um, this is Ron Rivera's last stop in the league. I, I think, you know, he's on his way out. This isn't uh, a very good team at all, even though the NFL this season is just littered with just terrible football all around. I don't think I've ever seen a season like this uh, in recent memory where every single team has been disappointing other than maybe the Bills and the Eagles. So, yeah, I, I, I expect the, uh, the commanders. I mean, I've seen a report saying that they might trade uh, Deron Payne. Uh, today so they they might they might have a fire cell of all these stud defensive players on on that d-line but yeah not much to say about them really no only other note for washington dan snyder sell the team you piece of shit uh green bay packers though i don't get it i'm gonna say it i think i've been saying this for the last three weeks now run the damn ball matt lafleur throw some balls okay you cannot let Aaron Rodgers be dictating what he does on offense. You do not have the receivers to be throwing the ball 35 times in the game. This should be a run-first team. You have Aaron Jones. You have A.J. Dillon. They're both very good. 
run the ball, play good defense, let Rodgers make those throws when he needs to. It's bad. They only ran the ball 12 times this game. That can't happen. Yeah, this this is we've we've talked about terrible teams, terrible football this year. The 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 Packers and the Bucks almost seem to be like twin brothers so far through the season. The offense is terrible on both sides. You have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of the greatest to ever play the game, and both of them just look absolutely horrible. I, I think I saw a stat that the Packers are the worst team in the NFL throwing outside the numbers. Uh, I know you can make, uh, you know, you can blame um, the receivers for that, but I don't care who you have on the outside. If you have one of the greatest to ever play this game and some would argue the, the best thrower of the football in NFL history, mm-hmm. you still have to connect on those throws. Uh, That's not excusing Matt LaFleur at all. He should be running the ball uh, more often. He's invested so much into that running back room with a second round pick with, um, uh, uh, excuse me, AJ Dillon. And then you, all the money that they gave to uh, Aaron Jones, you have to run the ball. I don't care if you have injuries along the offensive line, there's plenty of terrible offensive lines in the NFL and they still run the ball, and you gotta throw. You gotta run to set up the throw. If you don't have any good receivers, that's what you gotta do. You gotta manufacture some drives, and they're just not doing it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's losing Devontae Adams, terrible coaching, or or what. But they they they've been awful, an awful watch all season, three and four. I don't see um, where it goes from here. I don't see how it goes up. Have a tough schedule. They're ten and a half point underdogs at Buffalo this week. I don't see. You know, it's not looking good for them. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where we're just at the point. Something has to change. Nothing has been changing. It's just something else needs to happen. It's clearly not working. Um, next game up, though. Lions 6, Dallas 24. Are the Cowboys back? Are they Are they a contender now? I, I think so, because... Uh, as, as cool as the Cooper Rush story was, he is still a backup quarterback. I mean, he could be a very good backup quarterback in the, in the league for a long time, but he's no Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak did show a bit of rust early on. Uh, they were having a tough time scoring in the first half against uh, that atrocious Lions defense, but turned it up towards the end. Uh, I think that, you know, crazy. I didn't think I'd ever say this in my lifetime, but they're in a tough division this season, which looks like it. So I don't know um, if they'll end up winning that division, but they're not too far off. They have an elite defense. They have good weapons. Uh, as long as Dak could be that um, distributor of the football, get the ball out to his, his weapons, then I don't doubt that they could go uh, on a little run towards the end of the season. Yeah, the, that defense is fucking nuts uh they had five sacks versus lions uh the lions only let up seven sacks in weeks one to five so that just shows how good that front seven is of dallas because that lions offensive line is top three in the league um lions no that lions defense made its first appearance of the season and it didn't matter because jared goff was the quarterback uh, Jared Goff had four turnovers. He was brutal, but I mean, we just said it that Dallas Dallas defense is incredible. So 
not much you can really do, especially with no Swift again. And Amon Ra went out with a concussion. So Lions are just kind of, the tires are spinning. Nothing's really happening for them. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, the Lions were a cool little story at the beginning of the year with all their scoring. And they led the league in scoring, I believe, through the first four or five weeks of the season. But now, if I'm not mistaken, they're one in five. And at some point, you know, it's cool to have, um, like, be a good story. And, and you know, the whole Dan Campbell situation where everyone believes in it, likes some all that type of things. But at some point, you have to start producing. One in five uh, in the NFL, uh, it's, it's not going to cut it. They're going to have to start winning eventually. And that's the thing. Dan Campbell's message is going to grow tired and old and things do need to change. I doubt it's going to be at the end of this season, but if they have another bad start to the year next year, he will be on the hot seat a hundred percent. We'll go on to the next game though. Uh, Falcons 17 Bengals 35 Uh, Bengals offense is back. That's basically all you can say. They looked good. Jamar Chase looked good. He did get injured at the end. I think he's okay though, but, uh, this should be expected, though. This this is a Falcons team that that defense isn't very good. They've played frisky the first few weeks, but and then especially they lost AJ Terrell in the game, and the Bengals were already going off. You take Terrell out, just easy to score points. Joe Burrow in the first half, twenty-one to twenty-five, three hundred and forty-five yards, three TDs, ended the game thirty-four of forty-two, four hundred and eighty-one yards, and three touchdowns. This is just what we should be expecting from the Bengals from now on. What happened at the start of the year, that's gone. Joe Burrow, since that Steelers game, is now 15 touchdowns to one interception. So this is the Bengals we should see for the rest of the season now. Yeah, this uh, this was the Bengals that everyone expected going into the season. This was the Bengals that were uh, closing out last season and made its way to the Super Bowl. You have really good uh, weapons on the outside. You have a really good quarterback, and you just have to get the ball out to them. Uh, however, this Falcons team, if we're really talking about that, I'm not sure if they're tanking or if they're trying to compete this season or if they're just bad or if they're not sure and they're kind of just in between. Uh, yeah, this, this the final score would say that it was you know a decently competitive game. But it really wasn't. I think from it was twenty-one nothing to start the game, and uh, yeah, it was. Um, and even though they were down by three plus scores, I believe, I believe Marcus Mariota still didn't pass one hundred and fifty yards or, or something crazy like that. I got some stats for you, Mook. Let me tell you. So Mariota finished the day eight for thirteen, one hundred and twenty-four yards, one TD. That one touchdown, though, was a 75-yard pass to Bird for the score. So you take away that one play, just awful numbers. And then, yeah, the Falcons trailed by seven or more the entire game. They passed 42% of the time. Uh, The league average is 72% while trailing. So, Jeez. Yeah, that's that's insane. I don't know how you can – I'm looking at the numbers right now, and they have 13 pass attempts, 
124 yards for Marcus Mariota. And like you said, uh, like, was it 75 came on one play? I don't know how you can be losing for 99.9% of a game and only throw the ball 13 times. Uh, that is absolutely insane, uh, especially when you're without your, your best running back. Cordero Patterson is still on the IR. So I really don't know what this team is. They're kind of just like nobody really pays attention to them because even their top fantasy guys, like Kyle Pitts, doesn't touch the ball at all. So you're kind of just like, eh, not really watching any other games. But, yeah, I'm not – I mean, they're tied for the best team in the NFC South, which is – a travesty of a division yep. right now. This is, reminds me of back in 2014, where the Panthers, who were three eight and one on December 1st, ended up hosting a playoff game. Uh, so yeah, that, this is uh, this is a very very crappy division filled with four crappy very crappy teams. Yes, I won't question you on that. Only thing I'll add for the Falcons, like if Mariota is going to play like this, you might as well just put Desmond Ritter in and just see what he can do. Cause like it's, he's literally doing nothing on the field for them. So put Desmond Ritter in, he might be able to throw a little more. He's still mobile enough. So that's what I want to see. Uh, one last note for the Bengals though, they have not allowed a touchdown in the second half all year. So oh. huge ups to them. Cause that defense, I've had some question marks, but they can clearly adjust in the second half. Um, next game up, though, we got the Browns 20, Ravens 23. The Ravens finally held on to a lead, at least, but was still kind of a sloppy game for the Ravens, if we're being honest. Yeah, it's almost as if every single Ravens game is the same every single week where they get off to this – two score lead and they're just kind of chilling. And then eventually they end up losing the game that they're winning in like the last two or three minutes. Uh, but yeah, this, this, uh, this Baltimore team, they're just this little step away from me really believing them as a contender. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a wide receiver. I don't know if it's uh, you know like a running back. They do have a revolving door at, at running back all season. You get J.K. Dobbins back; he's on IR. You just get Gus uh, Gus Edwards, sorry, the back. Uh, so I don't know what it is, but they're just this close from from me putting them in that same echelon as those top teams. But I just can't. They're blowing leads. They're looking not very good against teams that they should beat handedly. I don't know. It's it's, it's really weird. Uh, I think one of those things that they could do is I've been seeing a lot of Ravens fans on Twitter calling for Greg Roman to be fired, which not a bad idea because the Ravens can run the shit out of the ball. They've always been able to do that since Lamar has been there, but the passing attack, like it needs to open up a little bit more because the Browns, they do not have a good defense and they still almost beat you this week, but We'll, we'll talk about the Browns. I mean, they're now two and five. This is exactly where I think most people have them at this point in the year. So expected, but I think we all thought that the offense would be the reason why they're two and five and not the defense at this point. So I don't know. The Browns are the Browns are the Browns still. Yeah. The Browns defense this season is terrible. Yeah, uh, which is 
crazy to think of because they have so many good individual defensive pieces um, littered across that that uh, that roster. It's a little strange, but uh, hey, like you said, it is the Browns. At the end of the day, they'll figure something out just to screw up. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last notes for that game. Kevin Stefanski now has uh, 40 games under his belt as the Browns head coach. Uh, Hugh Jackson, also 40 games as the Browns head coach. Uh, Kyle or Kevin Stefanski, however, has seven more wins or seven times more wins than Hugh Jackson does. So, yeah, I mean, he's the Browns best coach in the 21st century, but still, still not much. One other thing, uh, Nick Chubb bought an Xbox one just so he could go online, see which of his teammates are online and to text them to be like, Hey, (laughs) got to get some rest Rook." But so again, that's kind of all we can talk about the Browns because they're really giving us not a lot to talk about. So (sighs) talk about a game that is bad. Uh, Jets 16, Denver nine, like, fuck it's, it's bad. This is almost, this should be like some type of, uh, fantasy football league punishment you know the loser has to buy tickets to to the jets denver broncos game and watch it in its entirety with no alcohol and just and just sit there and and just watch this this is too terrible i mean the jets don't let the what is it five and two record for five and two. that that team that team is just uh, i don't know it's it's not a very good team the Denver Broncos are showing us every single week how poorly coached and, and terrible that offense is. And I say this because they're on national TV every single week. And guess what? They're going to be on your television screen 9.30 a.m. Uh, this uh, Sunday. I'd recommend sleeping through it. I'd recommend doing whatever, you know, take your girl out for, for breakfast, go for a walk, go to the gym, do anything other than than watch that uh, that game on uh, Sunday morning in, in London. This this is an atrocious offense, which is insane to say because they have really good weapons on the outside. I know they lost um, their running back for the rest of the season, but even before that, Javante Williams was talking about, even before that, this offense was god-awful. They paid Russell. They traded Russell Wilson for so much so much stuff, and, and they gave, paid him so much money, and he hasn't been the answer. Uh, honestly, he's been – not only the answer, he's been part of the problem as well. So this, uh, if there was ever a coach that would deserve to be fired seven games into his, uh, his coaching career, it's, uh, yeah, this is it. This is, uh, what is it? Uh, I forget his name. What's that? Hackett? Yeah, Nathaniel, there we go. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett. He, he needs, uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess it's hard to coach when you don't have, uh, a Hall of Fame talent like anymore, like Aaron Rodgers, like one of the greatest to ever do it. So, yeah, I mean, this is all around. This this Broncos team, you think you've seen rock bottom until you watch the next game, and then there's just another layer. It's, it's insane. And, like, that, that, that's the thing. Like, the fact that the offense looked the exact same with Brett Rippon at quarterback instead of Russ just shows you how much Russ has fallen off and – Whoever gave him that fucking contract extension should also lose their job. Um, it's nuts. The Broncos' defense, however, is like top five in the league still, which is nuts. Uh, 
Their defense has allowed 115 points all season. That's 16.4 per game. The offense has scored 100 points this season, which is 14.2. So it's a really, really good defense with a historically bad offense. It brutal. Broncos are tough to watch every single week. Uh, I will go back to the Jets, though, because I'm not done slandering them. Even though they're one, they're five and two, whatever. They're having a Dolphins 2021 type of run right now. They have beaten absolutely no one, but they're five and two. Wins are all that matter at the end of the day, but I, they're bad. It's especially now, like Brees Hall is out for the year. Elijah Vera Tucker also done for the year. It's going to be a rough game, especially when you have Zach Wilson at quarterback. Ooh, I forgot I had a special stat that I found for this one. Let me get that here. But, uh, oh, did I not send it to myself? Fuck. Uh, I didn't send it to myself. It was basically Zach Wilson has been pressured 42 times this season. When he's been pressured, he's thrown... 50, 50 yards like passing while he's been pressured, which is so like ridiculously low. Uh, he's also on those pressures. He's been sacked for 52 yards when he has been sacked. So it's basically net nothing. So Zach Wilson with pressure, he cannot play quarterback. Uh, I mean, he can't play quarterback even when he's not pressured, if we're really being honest, but this team, it's a Cinderella story right now, but the clock's about to hit midnight and they're about to turn back into a pumpkin. So all you can really say about the Jets. Uh, we'll move on though. Texans 20, Raiders 38. J- Josh Jacobs right now is a top three running back in football. I, It's nuts. He, last three games, 175 yards, two touchdowns, 193 yards and touchdown and 150 yards. 155 yards, three touchdowns. Like when you look at the start of the year, when he was starting in the first preseason game and people were looking, oh, they might cut him or, oh, they might trade him. And now he's, I mean, fuck, he's proved everyone wrong. So great for Josh Jacobs. Uh, The Raiders though, the Raiders are two and two and six, right? Or two, five and one? Two two and five or two, four and one, something like that. Yeah. Two and four. There we go. Two and four. Okay. Yeah. Their next five games, the Saints, the Jags, the Colts, the Broncos, and the Seahawks. So don't look now, but the Raiders could be making a playoff push if they go four and one in the stretch. It's possible. Who knows, though? Do you have anything to add for the Raiders? No, not much. Uh, Just I'll add a bit to what you said about Josh Jacobs. He had tons of talent coming out of Alabama. He's one of their stable of running backs that seems to come out every single year. That's just fantastic. Uh, but he did look very inefficient early on in his career. Uh, wasn't very good pass catcher. He wasn't, you know, people had, you know, reservations of his vision. They didn't think he had great vision, but he's pulling it all together this year. I don't know if it's uh, something to do with Josh McDaniels running schemes or, or the offensive line or whatever it is, but He's turned it around, and he should get a pretty sizable payday in the uh, offseason because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they did not pick up his fifth-year option, so he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. 
someone's going to give him a bag and it's immediately going to backfire because that's yeah. what happens when you pay running backs. Obviously, yeah. I hope he gets that bag because it doesn't happen often for running backs. So, uh, fuck, the Texans, this was Davis Mills' best game this year. And Damian Pierce is fucking incredible. Those are the only notes I have. Yeah, Damian Pierce is a dog. There is a clip of yeah. him losing his helmet in college and uh, I, I think the goal line and he's still running through people with his head down. Uh, that's the type of maniac that this guy is. This is the type of guy that you want running the ball for your team. Uh, he like personifies like angry runs. He's, he's a madman and he's an incredible running back. Also, yeah, one other note for the Texans. Uh, do you know the name Jack Easterby? Uh, yes. Yeah. So he actually got fired like a week or two ago, and I didn't hear that news until like this week. So, hey, maybe the Texans actually know what they're doing because they don't have a team preacher running their football ops anymore. So Texans, uh, I mean, they're the worst team in football, but they got some players. So good for them. Next game up, though. uh this was a rough one if you're a Chargers fan. Seattle 37, Chargers 23. I'm just going to take this away. So if, you, if you're listening and move, if you've noticed, I'm wearing an Oregon Ducks jersey. I am an Oregon Ducks fan. I got to watch Justin Herbert while he was there. Uh, and this is what I saw. He's a guy who he's incredibly talented. He's, you know, he's that perfect prototype of a quarterback he's tall he can throw the ball far he's mobile somewhat mobile like the perfect if you're building a quarterback you build a guy like Justin Herbert I have seen this man crumble and fall apart in so many moments it is unbelievable and coming out of the draft it was oh Justin Herbert he's so this and my whole thing with him yeah he's talented that man is not a winner He's not a winner. That's all. That's all you can say. He's really good. He's talented, but he will not win you football games. I don't care if the Chargers are banged up. It's been three years. He's had chances to win his team games. And some of them he has when it hasn't mattered, but when the lights are brightest, he doesn't show up. Yeah. I mean, what, what else is there to say? Really? You know, over the last, decade or so we've got we've had quarterbacks that that have played with less you know you got a guy like um Andrew Luck comes to mind where he would be dragging a sorry uh Colts team offensive line poor coaching all that and and he would still make the playoffs every year and win like what 11 12 games you had Cam Newton in his prime he was that offense had nothing but him and Greg Olson and they were they were still they were winning they won the division uh three out of four years so uh, yeah, I don't or three three straight years, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what what's up with uh, Justin Herbert. This team is just, you know, we've talked about how much talent they've had uh, for the last couple years now. Uh, I've said it probably since midway through last season that they needed to fire their head coach. I'm not even going to mention his name because this is just, you know, it's, it's been so long that we've been pounding the table for him to be fired. Like I said, probably midway through last season. Uh, he's still here now. He's doing a terrible job. I don't care if you have 
Russell Wilson as your quarterback. There's just no reason. The, the losses that, that, you know, that they're doing is inexcusable. And like you said about Herbert, you should, as a great quarterback, be able to win regardless of your, uh, your, you know, your head coach. You should be able to at least put your team in a position to win. Uh, you shouldn't be losing to a team that's blatantly tanking uh, by more than two scores. I don't care what kind of injuries you're dealing with. I don't care who your head coach is. There's just absolutely no reason why you should be losing two scores to a team that's tanking. Uh, you know, there's there's just which other QB, uh, you know, is losing these type of games. It just doesn't doesn't make any sense. Like, that's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, like, if you're if you have a guy at quarterback, you know, he's the guy they can overcome. They can win games. I have not seen Herbert do that in fucking five years. So <laughs> it would be nice if, yeah, obviously the Chargers are banged up and. The coaching is fucking terrible, but overcome the odds for once in your life. Uh, at least make the game interesting. They're they're not they're I mean they, they lost by 14 points to to a team with uh I mean I'm not slandering Geno Smith or anything, but the rest of that team, not very good. But you know, no. four and three still a top division. It is it is and yeah, we gotta give more love to to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. They they lost um their best quarterback in franchise history and somehow they're better than they were last year. This is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I was completely out on Seattle. I was calling for Carol and Schneider to be fired at the end of this year. And I'm fucking completely wrong. They killed the draft class uh, with Penny going down. Kenneth Walker has been, he's stepped up and he looks like that. I mean, Heisman finalist running back. He was at Michigan state last year. And, Geno Smith, who's been a backup in this system for fuck God knows how long now. And he just steps in and it's working. I, I, a lot of credit to Seattle, a lot of credit to Seattle, but I'm going to blame this on the chargers just being absolutely inept at everything that they do. Chargers against charger. No, that's and honestly, uh, we'll move on though. Uh, we got Kansas City, 44, San Francisco, 23. Uh, this was a absolutely dominant game from Kansas City. Didn't start that way, but it ended that way. Yeah, from beginning to end, this was uh, those classic Kansas City type of games. They you know, getting their uh, receivers involved this, this year, which is great to see because it was kind of Travis Kelsey and uh, Tyree Killer bust most of these years. Now they're getting guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's another option in the middle of the field. He was making some good uh, contested couch catches on the boundary, which is good because, uh, you know, Prior to that, they had Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and even McCole Hardman then not the type of guys that are going to make those contested catches down the boundary. And then you got the Marquez Valdez-Gatling, who's kind of like your uh, great value Tyree kill, where he's going to take the top off the defense, obviously not going to do, you know, a fraction of what Tyree kill does, but he's still a very, very good deep threat. And then Travis Kelsey being Travis Kelsey, this, this team has the weapons, it has the coaching, it has the quarterback and, so far, it's showed to have the defense early part of the season that, you know, good enough to uh, 
I'm not going to say just yet win a Super Bowl, but sure as hell compete for it. Yeah, and my last note for the Chiefs, uh, they have 37 20-plus yard plays so far this season. Uh, That's 14 more than they had in 2021. So taking out Tyreek Hill doesn't seem – wallop them uh they dropped all the way to 13 (laughs) it it was it was rough but this is just kind of what the chiefs do the chiefs they played great and i mean fuck even after niners they added cmc now i guess we can talk about more of that trade uh they i mean the niners basically have no draft picks now after trading with miami to trade up for Trey Lance. And now they gave away the rest of their picks for CMC. So. Yeah, they, uh, they pretty much traded away an entire draft for Christian McCaffrey and, um, and Trey Lance. The only reason that they have draft picks is because of the comp picks that they got for, um, for Mike McDaniel. And also for, um, I think it was like a GM that signed somewhere else, if I'm not mistaken. But essentially, they pretty much traded an entire draft, which is crazy. A second-round pick for McCaffrey, third-round pick for McCaffrey, fourth-round pick for McCaffrey, next year's fifth for McCaffrey. And then you traded away this year's first-round pick for Trey Lance and then obviously the other draft compensation that they traded for him as well. Yeah, this was um, a team that that's in win now just as much, if not more than the Rams were last year when they did all the whole uh, F all them picks thing that uh, they're doing over there in Los Angeles. But yeah, I mean, they're going all in, which is great to see. I don't know if this is a team that I would be confident in to make it to the Super Bowl because of their quarterback. Uh, But I mean, you gotta you gotta respect them for going all in. You know, there's plenty of teams that are just uh, kind of just staying on the fence for years and they don't go for it. But you gotta give them credit, credit where credit is due. But I don't know if it's the smartest move. But as a Panthers fan, I appreciate them shouting out all those picks for for a running back that's injury prone and that has a massive contract. But hey, I'll take it. There you go. Uh yeah, like the Niners, they have all these weapons now. I mean, yep, traded traded for CMC. They got Debo, they got Brandon Ayuk, they got George Kittle. None of it matters, though, because their quarterback's Jimmy G, and he's not going to win you any big type of game ever. So, Niners, boomer bust Super Bowl, but we shall see. Last game of the week, Sunday night football. Miami 16, Pittsburgh 10. Tua is back. He is now 4-0 as a starter this year. This was not a good game from him, though. He had four dropped picks. That first drive looked great. And then we had two more field goals after that touchdown. Uh, But it was not, the offense just was not clicking the way it has recently. I'm just going to say that that's rust on Tua coming back from his multiple concussions, I guess you're going to say. But yeah, I'm Miami is yeah, we're back to being 
where I thought we were. I'm just worried about our defense now at this point, because our defense is so banged up and so hurt right now, but we grind through wins. That's kind of what we've been doing. So I'm hopeful for Miami going for the rest of the year anyways. Yeah. Any, anytime you can get a win uh, where your offense scores 16 points, you kind of just take it uh, and run with it. Uh, like you said, Tua coming back from missing a few uh, few weeks uh, with those uh, with those concussions, or I'm not sure, just one or multiple, but you get the point from the concussion. Uh, you know, I, I understand that they're playing the Steelers, who aren't a very good team, um, to say the least, right now. But and a win is a win. You you take them while you can. Uh, one thing I want to say about the uh, the Steelers, though, is um, Kenny Pickett surprisingly has two passing touchdowns and seven interceptions on the season, which yep. is an, a hilarious stat. Because going into the season, going into the draft, many scouts thought that he was like the most uh, NFL-ready guy, and that he wasn't going to be like a big turnover guy, and he was going to kind of you know, be that solid, rock-solid guy that doesn't put the ball in harm's way. But this season is kind of hilarious because he's playing like a rookie quarterback and um, not anywhere near like an NFL-ready type of quarterback, which is funny. But, I mean, they they got an absolute star in the making in George Pickens. Um, Najee Harris, I mean, he's, he's okay. But uh, this this team going forward should, you know, feel pretty good about themselves in the future, I think. With their uh, skill position, bugs me about the Steelers, anyways. Is I've been saying it for like weeks now, but they have talented players on the offense, like just skill position wise. Like they're probably top ten in the league, but their offensive play calling is just fucking brutal. Like Miami's defense is, we have Xavier Howard who's playing hurt right now, and then. Javon Holland at safety. They're the only two starters we have left on our defense. Everyone else is a backup or third or fourth string. And they still can't do anything. So I think that Matt Canada needs to be fired. He's the offensive coordinator. Something needs to change for them. Uh, But yeah, the Pittsburgh D played pretty well, given what Miami's offense, what my expectations are. Uh, my last thing, Chase Edmonds, get off my team. (laughs) You got brought in here to be the number one guy and especially, especially pass catching running back that I hadn't seen that man catch a football all season. (laughs) Yeah, it's thank God we have Mostert because if we didn't have him, then we would be right back to where we were last year with our run game. Um, yeah, I guess that does it for the recap. So we should, ah, we will move right into the pick I went five and zero last week. So, uh, fair warning. I am hot right now. Uh, so as always for the pick we need a favorite. We need a spread dog. We need an over, we need an under, and we need a money line dog. Uh, Loser donates $20 to the Door Youth Center here in Ottawa. I need to be shouting that out way more because that is what I'm doing this whole thing for. Uh, Yeah, so you're my guest. As always, you have the number one pick. So where are we going? 
All right. So for this one, I'm going to take the uh, favorite spread and I'm going to do the Patriots minus two against the Jets. Nice. Uh, the Patriots are, I, I understand they're on the road, but the Jets are just not a very good team. Uh, and the Patriots coming off an embarrassing loss like they did uh, yesterday, you know that uh, Bill Belichick is going to rip them a new one. So I think they're going to come back uh, guns blazing next week and, you know, uh, win by multiple touchdowns. Yeah, everything's just kind of gearing up for this to be a absolute pass shit kicking, uh, especially with the Jets injuries. That secondary should be able to, I mean, stop. It's basically just Zach Wilson throwing to Garrett Wilson. So that's all you need to stop. That Pats defense. I still like the Pats defense. I said it last week. It's top 10. It's not number one. Definitely not number one. But uh, yeah, this is a get right game for the Patriots. I think the Jets are definitely going to fall off. So I like that pick a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with my under to start this and I'm going to take under 39 and a half Denver Jacksonville. I am taking the under in that London game. Uh, I don't think I need to say much. Denver's defense is really good. That Jacksonville offense is just okay. So, I mean, and that Broncos offense is fucking terrible. So 39 and a half. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, that, that is a game where it's gearing up to be another 16 to 13 type of game. I mean, those are – I mean, the, the Broncos' offense is terrible. Their defense is suffocating. Uh, the Jaguars are an okay, you know, kind of offense, but I don't see them putting up much points in this game too. So, yeah, I, I love the under as well. It's going to be a terrible game to watch. Yeah. It's really going to be bad. <laughs> All right. So for my next one, I think I'm going to go to the um, Moneyline Dog. Okay. And for this one, I am going to do the Giants as the underdog uh, against Act the Seahawks. So, I mean, these are kind of two, I'm not going to say fraud, but I think you – get the message these are two teams who they have more wins than expected let's just put it that way and um i think that the giants just keep winning these one score games every single week and I, I i don't think the luck runs out this week i think they do it again yeah th this truly is a who knows what's gonna happen type of game uh the seahawks are probably without dk metcalf this week I mean, I listed off the Giants injuries earlier, but the Giants just find ways to win. So you can't, yeah, can't dog that pick whatsoever. I like it. Um, my next pick, though, let me see. I'm going to go with... No, okay. I'm going to go with my... Oh, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to go with my dog and I'm going to go with Packers plus 11. I don't like it. 11 is a lot of points. I still like, it's still Aaron Rodgers. It's 
seeing that line and knowing Aaron Rodgers is on the other side of the ball is nuts, but it would not shock me if the Bills absolutely steamroll the Packers, but I'll give the Packers a little bit of hope. Plus 11, they better be able to cover that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to see the uh, Packers lose four games in a row with, um, yeah, they lost three in a row, right? Three, three. So this could be, yeah, four. if they lose this one four games in a row, I mean, I understand that uh, they just need to cover the spread, but if they get absolutely steamrolled, I mean, where do you go from there? Like, if you lose four in a row and that fourth game you just get your – your doors blown off. I don't know where you go from there. So this is a must win for them. Um, and if anything, at least keep it a respectable line. Like you don't want to lose multiple scores. Yeah. All right. So for my next game, I am going to now, this is, hmm, let me think about this one. I will go with, have I, I've done the, uh, Okay, yeah. Hold on. You've done your favorite and you've done your money line, dog. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. the thing. Like the board's hard this week. I was yeah. trying to figure it out. I don't like many games. <laughs> Neither do I. So I'm gonna go with my underdog spread is going okay. to be the commanders plus three. They are playing at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh you don't know what to expect with Sam Ellinger. Um and I mean, even before that, the Colts were still not very good under Matt Ryan. So, I mean, give me the three points with the commanders. I know it's customary to give the home team three points. So this is kind of like a, almost like a pick them, but I think Taylor Heineke can, could, could rally the, uh, the commanders and, and get a road win and, you know, get some morale going over there in DC. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Sam Ellinger is a complete unknown. The Colts have just looked bad. So who honestly just, it's a, who knows what's going to happen yeah. in this game. Covering three points. Yeah. Totally doable. Uh, so yeah, I was between two picks and they both involve the same game. So it was whether I was going to go with my over or my money line dog, I'm going to go with my money line dog and I'm going to take the Panthers outright over the Falcons I, again, you guys have talented players on your defense. All the Falcons do is run the ball. I think you guys can stop them. Can PJ Walker put up some points? Maybe. I don't know. But I'll take the Panthers money line because there's really not much else out there. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, see, the thing with the Panthers is it might be a, like, a homer thing to say, but I think they have more talent on the team than the Falcons do. Uh, the only thing is, is the coaching. And yeah. ever since we got rid of Matt Rule, I mean, Steve Wilkes didn't do a very good job in um, when he was the Cardinals head coach. But I mean, I'm, be- I'm betting on talent here. I, I think you know, you're right. They can definitely put up a fight, if not win the, the whole thing. So, so we'll see. Um, I would have taken the under for that game. I mean, the, the total is set at 42. And, you know, divisional unders have been really like money this season. And I could see it being like a 20 to 17 type of game. Uh, but for my under, I'm going to take the Titans at 
Texans, another divisional game. The total set at 40 points. Uh, these are two offensively challenged teams. Uh, so other than, you know, seeing defensive special teams touchdowns, I can see it being, you know, a 17 to 14 type of game or a 20 to 10, 2014 type of game. So we'll see 40 is a low number, but I'm taking the over uh, under, excuse me. Uh, I believe in uh, divisional unders and this should be uh, another one of them. Well, like that's the thing. And that's the good thing about picking an under in this game, especially an under game with the Titans. Uh, they just really don't score points in the second half. So as long as they stop the Texans from scoring points, it's going to be, it'll be low scoring. No one's going to watch that game. So betting the under <laughs> on that is fair. Um, I'm going to go with my over next and I'm going to take over 48 and a half uh, in the Raiders Saints game. Uh, the Raiders, I, their offense has looked good for most of the year. Anyways, Josh Jacobs is getting going. Uh, this Saints defense is still pretty good, but it is banged up right now. I tried to look at the injuries before the game and I couldn't really get a read on what's going to happen. So Hopefully not everyone's healthy for them. Actually, I, I'm not going to say that. That's kind of mean. But uh, yeah, the Saints, hope, hopefully Jameis is playing because if Jameis plays, that means points for, I mean, both teams, if we're being honest. So over 48, I think it's doable. I think the Raiders are going to score a lot of points regardless. So if the Saints can keep up, which they seem to be doing in their games, over 48. Why not? Yeah, I like that. Uh, my next over, another high-scoring point total. So for my over, I'm going to take over 48.5 Cardinals at Vikings. Uh, you get a 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins, and you know 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins does not play. He, he is a perennial 300-yard, three-touchdown type of guy when it's 1 p.m. games for some whatever reason. And the Cardinals... They're finally getting um, DeAndre Hopkins back acclimated to the offense. So I could see them putting up like 20, 21, maybe 24 points. And this being like a 20 to 24 type of game. Yeah, this, this, I had the, uh, I had the Vikings as one of my favorite choices, potentially at minus four. Uh, I also like this over. I think that the Cardinals with Hopkins back, they might get James Conner back this week too. So that should be a boost. And that Vikings offense just scores points. That's kind of what they do. That's what they're designed to do. I mean, obviously that's what any offense in football is designed to do. It might be hard to watch or hard to find that this year, but yeah. uh, over 48 and a half, that's a good one. And I will finish off with my favorite and I'm going to go minus one and a half 49ers over the Rams. Um, and it, it really all just boils down to this. I think the Niners are a good team. The record doesn't show it right now. And I think the Rams are not a good team. I'm not going to say bad, but they're not a good team. I think Nick Bosa is going to kill that offensive line. Uh that Niners defense is going to show up. I mean, just stop Cooper Cup and you stop the Rams offense because that's all they've been able to do. And that Rams defense has not been good. And if Jimmy G can be serviceable with the weapons that he has and fuck a full week of CMC too, I, 
I think the Niners are going to win this game by a lot more than a point and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, you get a full week of preparation uh, for Christian McCaffrey. Hopefully you get him up to 18 to 20 plus touches because uh, they were limiting his touches this uh, week. Makes sense. He only got there on Friday morning. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Rams, like you said, are not a very good team, in my opinion. Their offensive line is absolutely horrible. And uh, their offense is just Cooper Cup and Prey, really. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, one and a half, that's, that's not a lot of points. So uh, I, I think they can definitely cover that pretty easily. No. So to recap, um, I have as my favorite Niners minus one and a half. Packers plus 11 versus the Bills as my spread dog over 48 and a half. Uh, Raiders Saints under 39 and a half. Broncos, Jags, and Panthers as my money line dog. Move, you have Pats minus two versus the Jets. Commanders plus three versus the Colts. Over 48 and a half in the Cardinals-Vikings game. Under 40 in the Titans-Texans game. And your money line dog is the Giants. So, Move, thanks again for coming on and doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. I'll leave you with a final question. If the Panthers do pick number one overall, who knows at this point, but CJ Stroud or Bryce Young? See, I've been flip-flopping, but after the performance that uh, Bryce Young had last weekend, I think I'm leaning towards him. Uh, But like I said, Stroud and Young, I'm going to be flip-flopping this entire uh, draft process and probably going to flip a lot more times uh, going forward. But as of this week, uh, going into week eight, it is Bryce Young. Well, the thing about that is you guys probably aren't going to pick top five because you always have those weird wins. And Will Levis will be the future Panthers quarterback. Oh. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Boo. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Okay. That'll do it for another episode of the Cover Zero podcast. Uh, thanks again to Moob for joining this week. Uh, week eight. Basically, to sum up how this season has gone so far, uh, there's only one game in week eight that's between teams with winning records it's not the Ravens and Bucks not the 49ers and Rams not the Packers and Bills but no it's the Giants and the Seahawks if that doesn't sum up how crazy this year has been I don't know what will but as always uh like share follow retweet subscribe all that fun stuff and until next time peace (laughs) 